Oh, it's, he says it's always heartwarming to see a prejudice defeated by a super prejudice. <laughs> yes. Yes. Welcome to Recotopia, a happy home for recommended movies, shows, and music from two people you can definitely trust. Trustability varies by region, no guarantees implied. Now, here are your hosts, Chris Atkinson and Jeremy Scott. Oldest pain come to work for us about that time. <laughs> and that boy had him some attitude. Hey, hello everybody. Uh, uh, hello to all of you in the chat, you wonderful people in the chat. Uh, this is Recotopia episode 9. We're up to 9. 9 nine times uh i'm chris atkinson and i'm jeremy scott and uh today our big recommend will be the 1996 film lone star mm. um which will uh is an it will be an awesome discussion i know because we first we saw this for the first time in a long time uh over the past weekend anyway uh we have our small recommends coming up as well and uh i guess we can get started on that it's no big deal <laughs> It's so small and light. It's small, it's tiny, it's petite, it's weak. Ooh, okay, well, I'm going to jump in and go first. Uh, a lot of you guys have been playing this Wordle game, right? That mm. this guy made for his wife, and then the New York Times bought and apparently made it worse. I don't know. I never mm -hmm. played it until about 12 days ago. And of course they didn't. <laughs> that's one of the things that that people, that's like the bias that people have when when something like that happens. Is yeah. You know, they're yeah. like, it's harder now. And they're like, well, let's look back at the older ones before the New York Times got it. And oh, no, it's not harder. I, uh, I, I don't necessarily go for sharing the Wordle score. Like I have many times wanted to tweet something like no one gives a shit how many takes it took you to get there. Just play the, play the game. And of course, the reason it's popular is because people share their score. Mm -hmm. I get it. Uh, there are clones popping up all over the place. And there are two movie-related clones that have recently been sent to me that I wanted to share in case you guys are enjoying Wordle or these other offshoots. And the first one is called Movidle, which is movie and D-L-E. Mm -hmm. some, some of these names are, you know, just basically doing the dull. Mm -hmm. um, that is super fast sped-up clips of the movie. Um, <clears throat> like... The entire movie goes by in half a second for your first guess. Okay. And if you don't get it, then the entire movie goes by in two seconds. And then so on until you finally get it. Uh, the other one is called Framed, and it's at framed.wtf. Um, and it will show you single frames of a movie uh, that get increasingly more obvious what, what the movie is. Mm -hmm. uh, and I have been enjoying them. They're not, they're not the same as word games. I think... It, activates a different synapse or something in my brain. Um, but if you love movies and you like these guessing games that are super popular right now, check out Moviedle or framed.wtf. That's my first small recommend. Nice, nice. That's I think this is the first time we've had a recommend of games. Uh, I think here. it is. So, yeah, that's pretty cool. Um, uh, I, I'm, I'm going to be sticking with movies this week. I hope nobody's disappointed. Um, I, uh, I, uh, rewatched, uh, the lives of others, uh, recently, uh, 2006 German film that won the, uh, best foreign language film Oscar. Mm. Um, Jeremy, if you've never seen this movie, people who are listening have never watched this movie. I've never seen this movie. You must watch this movie. <laughs> All right. This is... This is a movie that we don't talk about nearly enough. I think it had a had its had a you know, uh, it it had its discussion. I guess back in the day when it came out, there were a lot of people talking about it, but it doesn't nearly get uh, enough play today for some reason. Um, uh, the lives of others is about uh, the uh, the Stasi in Germany. Uh, I think that was the, the sort of think of, think of a really, really like 
even worse CIA or think of like a like a you know abusing their power more than the usual CIA type of organization. That's the Stasi. Uh, when there was a West Germany and an East Germany, um, and these these guys wanted to know everything about everybody and anybody who had, who did anything that was even slightly off, they wanted to know about it and. They, uh, the, the main guy in here played, and I don't know how to pronounce his name because it's got umlauts and stuff, but it's Ulrich, <laughs> Ulrich Mue, I think is somewhere close. Um, uh, the, uh, he is the main guy and he's, he, he, uh, there's this writer that on the surface, everything about him is perfectly fine. And he, he, he doesn't say anything subversive. He doesn't do anything, uh, that's off kilter, but there's some of the powers that be still want to look, they still want to look in, into him and everything. And, uh, so they set up a whole thing after the guy leaves, they go in, they bug his entire apartment. Uh, they come out and this main guy goes in he's got, he's got a room, like across the street that's just got a whole bunch of recording, you know, uh, listening equipment and, and everything, not recording strangely, uh, but listening equipment. <laughs> and he's listening to everything that goes on in this guy's house. And, uh, as he continues to, uh, listen, uh, uh to the, to these people, there's nothing really there. There's not anything really, there's some things that are borderline, and when we talk about borderline, we're talking about stuff that's still really, really innocuous. But mm. according to the Stasi, it's like, oh, this could be, you know, you could be a subversive element of some sort. And uh, but this guy starts to learn that, you know, we're only looking at this guy because this other guy in power wants to sleep with that guy's girlfriend. And that's the only reason why we're doing this. And then he starts to listen even more and he starts to appreciate uh, he starts appreciating this writer and this girlfriend's uh, uh, life, but then he has an idea. the The writer has an idea about writing an article about East Germany about the the suicide rate uh, in the country, mm. and um, this is something that would not fly on normal media. So he has to write it in secret and he has to publish it uh, anonymously. Mm. And so when he starts writing this thing. This man who's listening to him this whole time has started to appreciate this guy even more and starts to kind of stop. He, he reports lies back to the, the Stasi, what he's hearing in all of this. He starts, he, start, he, he starts saying, oh, it's a play that he's working on. It's not anything at all. Um, the movie uh, has an unbelievable conclusion to it. It's It's a... It's a great movie to it's a, it's a great movie through and through but by the end of it if you're not I don't know you you probably will be crying or something at the end mm. of this because it's one mm. of those type of movies. Um I will give small trigger warnings on this. There is discussion of suicide. There is there is a scene that is not graphic um in it. Um uh, and it and it but it's there is there is that element in the movie if you have mm. that kind of trigger mm. however with with good faith i will still recommend it to uh to anyone uh who even has that trigger so um this movie is fantastic it is mm. i think it's like an 8.6 or something on the imdb which is well wow. deserved and it still seems too low um wow. so um so yeah lives of others Check that movie out. It is mm -hmm. incredible. Going on the list. Mm -hmm. That's what this podcast is for, baby. Mm -hmm. Yep. Um, <clears throat> all right. Well, I am going to pivot from game recommendations to a television recommendation. Um, specifically, the current season of one of my favorite shows, Top Chef. Now, Top Chef has always been a high-quality, reality-based cooking show. It's always been nominated for an Emmy, I think almost every season up there with The Amazing Race. It's a quality show, even on a bad season with boring chefs. Mm -hmm. But a lot of what makes the show work is the personalities of the chefs and the kinds of challenges that they set up. for. And a lot of people I know used to watch Top Chef. Mm -hmm. And so that's why I'm making this recommendation that you should come back to this show. 
this season has some of the most likable, uh, biggest personality chefs. They are funny. Uh, they're self-deprecating. They're supportive of each other. Hmm. Uh, there's usually an asshole. There's not one of those. <laughs> um, there's one guy who got COVID before they filmed and lost his sense of smell. And he's won the last three challenges straight. Wow. And they, like, it keeps focusing on him. Like in his side interviews, he's like, well, I know these flavors go well together, but I can't really taste anything right now. So hmm. I'm just hoping for the best. And he keeps knocking it out of the park. The most recent challenge, um, they brought out dishes for everybody to taste. And you were in teams of two. And the plates looked identical. And they both tasted the, the dish and then reported back wildly different flavors. And it turned out they were completely different dishes. One was peanut butter on a bed of cocoa and one was foie gras on a bed of <laughs> black sesame or something. So the challenge became each team of two had to make dishes that looked identical and tasted completely different. Mm -hmm. And it brought out some of the most creative shit I have ever seen on this show uh, I even tweeted about this being one of my favorite episodes, uh, favorite challenges ever. Uh, so if you used to watch, and even if you didn't, uh, come back or start up. Uh, we're only like f five episodes into this season. Uh, pretty easy to catch up. Um, it's a very bingeable show. Um, Top Chef, current season, mm. set in Texas, Houston, Texas. Uh, it's good shit. That's my small recommend number two. All right. All right. I have, I don't think, I think I may have watched one episode of Top Chef in my entire life. Um, and yet you've eaten at Tom Colicchio's restaurant <laughs> several times. I have. I have. Um, uh, the next, uh, the next uh, movie uh, recommend I have is from 2003. It's The Station Agent. Um, this one starring Peter Dinklage, uh, Bobby Cannavale, and Patricia Clarkson. And, uh, and uh, before she's really about to take off, Michelle Williams is in this. Uh, there's a uh, there's a um, I guess I don't know if you'd call it cameo because he's uh, uh, he's still I don't know. John Slattery is in this for a brief moment uh, mm -hmm. in this. Um, uh, but uh, the this movie is really it's it's it, this feels like the old in, like the old indies like the 90s indies that we used to used to see and i guess 2003 is not that far off uh from the 90s but it's one of those real quiet not not a real story type thing going on um but peter dinklage plays this uh this guy who uh works at a uh a toy a, a, well i guess a, a model train shop and uh it's just him and this other guy who obviously owns the place uh that guy dies and leaves peter dinklage a small like uh i, I guess a, a, it's a, a depot of some sort uh in a in a place called newfoundland new jersey um and uh so he peter dinklage goes in and and, uh, and moves in and of course the movie shows how uh, someone like Dinklage walking down the street is not a normal thing because everybody has to say something about it. Everybody has to point out, hey, there's a dwarf walking on the sidewalk, basically. Um, and uh, and so it, you can see how that, over years of probably dealing with this over and over and over again, he would be reticent to meet, to make friends but the person who's right next door is a guy who is uh, who who owns a food truck and is uh, played by Bobby Cannavale. And Bobby Cannavale doesn't give a shit who you are. He wants to be your best friend, and and uh, and he uh, like he's immediately just very super talkative, and you could say maybe annoying uh, because he doesn't have any kind of like personal space or like uh, or, or doesn't get any social cues that you may not want to be talked to. And, uh, and, you know, Peter Dinklage is kind of like, eh, I don't know about this. I don't know if I want to talk to this person, but over, over time, of course, they start to hang out more and more, mainly because Bobby kind of all just keeps showing up wherever he goes. And, mm -hmm. uh, and, uh, he does the Dinklage does these walks called, uh, 
walking the right of way or something, which you're walking down train tracks, uh, and uh, and Bobby Cannavale joins him a bunch. Patricia Clarkson almost kills Peter Dinklage two times at the beginning of the movie, uh, driving down the road and spilling co- coffee on herself and things like that. Um, and then and uh, they all sort of get together, and there's a very unusual trio uh, of people. She has gone through a divorce. She's just lost a child. Um, and uh, Bobby Cannavale's got, a, I think, a sick father that he has to deal with, and Peter Dinklage is just kind of just trying to interact with his new home. Uh, it's just, a, it, the, like I said, this movie doesn't have much of a story at all. It's just one of those that just you know it's such a it's such a nice movie to watch it's an hour and a half it it goes by like that it has its it has it it, it you could say it's a formula like oh here here's everybody uh they're they're all together they're friends and of course something happens where they're not friends anymore for a bit and then they have to find a way to become friends each, with each other by the end of the movie but uh but the, the station agent is uh is a really really good movie I have seen this movie, and I recommend it as well. Mm-hmm. I second Chris's recommend. It is, I love the way you said, it's just a really nice movie to watch. Mm-hmm. That is, they should honestly put that on the on the cover of the VHS. Uh, they <laughs> yeah. They don't make VHS anymore, but uh, <clears throat> yeah, it's just a lovely experience. Mm-hmm. So good, good call on that. I like yeah. that. <clears throat> All right. All right. Time for the big recommend. Big. Say goodbye your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. I'm fine, I'm fine. It's just that you're so big. It's so huge. It's a good rule, but this is bigger than rules. It's bigger on the inside. Is it? I noticed. Yeah, so uh continuing with the uh we're for, we we we've done the Batman, right? And we did mm-hmm. we did that best of 2021. Now we're back on the, you know, uh movies that people may not have heard of or don't get talked about. Uh uh enough train and that's 1996's Lone Star. Mm. Uh, directed by John Sayles, who, uh, before this point, probably best known for Eight Men Out, uh, is probably the one that he is known for the best. Uh, and Lone Star has a huge cast in it. Uh, it's Chris yes, Cooper. It um, Chris Cooper is the main main guy. You have Elizabeth Pena. Uh, Matthew McConaughey plays Chris Cooper's dad in the flashbacks. Mm-hmm. Um, you have uh, Clifton James, who um, a lot of people know as uh, the uh, the Sheriff Pepper character in some of the uh, '70s Bond films, but he's been in a ton of things. Um, uh, you have Joe Morton. Uh, you have Chandra Wilson, who a lot of people know from uh, Grey's Anatomy, is in this. Um, it is uh, a sprawling sort of. It's it's a uh, it's first off, it's a mystery because the very beginning of this movie. Uh, there, you have two people searching for old bullet casings in a, in a, uh, shooting, an old shooting range. And they stumble upon a skull along with a Rio Sheriff's badge, uh, in the, in the desert. Um, they call Chris Cooper out and Cooper, uh, immediately starts, uh, his thoughts to a potential disappearance that happened back in the fifties where, uh, a sheriff, uh, the sheriff, then Charlie Wade played by Chris Christopherson, uh, who is the honoriest, assholiest, bastardist guy that you can possibly come up with. Absolutely. Um, uh, he is uh, there was a disappearance that a lot of people thought that he just took some money and ran uh from town and uh the legend is that buddy deeds ran him out buddy deeds played by matthew mcconaughey um ran him out of town or killed him and nobody knows what happened to him and uh became sheriff and became the legendary sheriff of this town meanwhile chris cooper his son trying to fill his shoes uh and uh not not succeeding a lot of this movie is about fathers i mean fathers mothers you know parents and their children 
yep. children trying to live up to what their parents are. Uh, a lot of this type of thing is going on, but this mystery involves, you know, people who are still in par- a part of this town and who are, who are powerful people in this town. Uh, and it, it just covers a lot of history, uh, a lot of Texas Mexican history. And it, uh, uh, you know, it, there's an interesting dynamic here where, where, uh, there are, there's a, if you, if you're following the news recently, there's a discussion right at the top of this movie about what's being taught in schools about who's the heroes of a certain war. And, 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 you know, there are more Mexicans in this town than there are, than there are, there are more Mexican, what, uh, descended people in this town than there are America, like, I, I, I hate saying stuff like this because it makes it sound like I'm, <laughs> I'm I'm trying to make a separation here. But there are more. <clears throat> I guess no. There's more white people. There's more Mexicans than white people in this town. Yes, that's how I think that's it. And then you have you have a small section of black people in this town who don't feel like they have any power whatsoever. Um, uh, and Joe Morton is a, is a, is a, a colonel in this, I guess, is it a, is it a national guard thing or is it the army? I can't it's remember the army. because it's there's the army. a lot of people who, there are a lot of people who join, uh, in this, in this, who have had troubled lives or whatever. And, and, uh, they're, they're, they're doing it to get away from they're trying to get off the streets basically is what they're trying mm-hmm. to do. Um, and so there's a, there's a big discussion with Chandra Wilson and Joe Morton. That's a great part of the movie. Um, even though it's not really the part of the big picture of the movie, but it's, it's a great discussion, uh, in there where she, where he asks her why she's here and what she, what she thinks her duty is in the army, um, Mm. and everything. But, uh, anyway, take it away. What did you, what did you take from this? Okay. So when you watch this movie, you're watching a director who is as confident as I think anyone ever has been. Every movement of the camera is intentional, and every transition to the flashbacks and forward is exquisite. Mm -hmm. The way he will just slow pan, and all of a sudden, oh, we're not in a flashback anymore. The camera didn't cut. Like there's the best one, the one that shocked me the most was the when the kid is hiding under the bridge from the evil sheriff, mm-hmm. and it pans up, and you see that the the sheriff has come over to stand over the rail. Then nope, it's Chris Cooper. We're not in the past anymore. Yeah, but there's so much thought. It's almost like the prestige in how much care and attention to detail went into, I guess, storyboarding and and um, staging. All, all of the shots, I was so amazed by the camera work watching yeah. this that I almost forgot to be amazed by the performances. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> I love uh, how much of a picture this gives us of this town um, because you really do end up seeing all sides of it, right? And there's so much talk about how there are more Hispanic people than white people. Mm-hmm. But... It's no accident that the white people are the mayor and the sheriff and the people who have the power, quote unquote, the Mm -hmm. school boards mostly made up of white people. Uh, Just such a fascinating dynamic that (sighs) there's even parts of this movie where I'm wondering, why are we even following uh, the military family until the big picture shows itself and you're like, yeah. Oh, yeah, we really do need everyone's angle on yes. this particular story. I just this movie has been living in my soul ever since I watched it yesterday. Um it just it has so much to say, man. You could pick out 12 different themes. Yeah, uh you could talk forever and 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 I have I, I haven't mentioned one of the most complex characters that you'll ever see in a movie. The character is Mercedes Cruz, played by Miriam Cologne in this uh, in this movie. One of the most yep. complex characters you'll ever see because she... Now, you know, you're going to find this out later in the movie, and I don't know how much we care about spoilers and things like that. I guess we'll avoid the... What, biggest it, one. The <clears throat> biggest one? What would you... I don't know. Would you consider the solving of the mystery the biggest one or something else? 
No, that's what I would consider the biggest. Okay, yeah. so um, you're going to find out that the Mercedes Cruz character once crossed the river into the United States and uh, and then later established herself. As an older woman now, she looks upon these people, looks down on these people, and even reports these people, uh, calls Border Patrol anytime she gets a chance, um, and she tells everybody to speak English because we're in America now and mm-hmm. all that. The The question I had for this character the whole time that I was I was watching it is how does someone get to this point? Is it because she knew that she had to play the part and she had to act straight to stay in the country? Um, or did she just sort of think that she deserved to be there and was ultimately because she lasted so long really just became had this uh, feeling of superiority over other people who try to cross uh it's really a and a fascinating a fascinating character to to explore and and uh she is elizabeth pena's mom in this movie and we have this you know there's this whole uh thing that happened in the past where Chris Cooper's, uh, you know, as a as a younger man, and and Elizabeth Pena, younger, used to date, and even uh, it's implied they've had sex at this point mm-hmm. uh, um, uh, as teenagers, and the the parents aren't too happy about it. And considering what we know about this movie, the whole idea of mixing races is such a a, a terrible thing to do, but it's got more to it than that. And, um, and, uh, of course, by the end, you'll be asking yourself, is this something that I'm cool with? <laughs> <laughs> and I will let you decide for yourself right. whether or not you are cool with it. Yes. Um, <laughs> um, this movie is sneaky funny, man. Like, when it is funny, it, it's a surprise. There were two lines I wrote down I wanted to bring up. One is when the, the white military guy who's dating the black woman mm-hmm. is talking to his buddy and his buddy's like, cause he's saying, I'm going to meet her parents. And he was like, I thought they weren't cool with interracial stuff. And he's basically, well, like she's old enough now that they're worried she's gay. Yeah. And the guy says, Oh, it's, he says, it's always heartwarming to see a prejudice defeated by a deeper <laughs> prejudice. <laughs> yes. Yes. And then the other one I liked is when they unveil the sculpture of buddy, that the, the the lore around McConaughey's character is central to this movie. But when they unveil that sculpture in front of the courthouse and it's, it's buddy, there's a little tiny kid there yeah. next to him. And you hear a voice in the background go, I think he's going to run that kid in for loitering. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. Oh man. It, for, I mean, a drama like this doesn't have to make me laugh. Mm-hmm. Uh, certainly doesn't have to make me laugh hard. Um, but you know, I, I appreciate uh, Chris Cooper's performance here so much because he has to handle everything. He is a good man, um, not really cut out to be sheriff. No. He calls himself a, a, a jailer with 60-some rooms, a yeah. hotel manager. Right. Um, but it's his own father that, that this lore in this town, well, half the town is built on the lore of this guy. And he has to decide whether or not he's going to accept that or dig deeper and find out, was my father really the man everybody thought he was? Or was he, I mean, there's, there's this one scene where he's driving after learning something and it's at night mm-hmm. and it's maybe 45 seconds of a song playing and just on his face while he's driving and he conveys everything mm-hmm. without a single line. He doesn't have to narrate anything. He doesn't have to talk to himself in the car. You just see all 12 emotions he's feeling mm-hmm. uh, right there on his face. Um, yeah. This is uh, one of those where you, where you're, you, we remember the height of Chris Cooper and, and it, and, and it's like, man, it, it doesn't feel like we see him enough these days. I don't know what he's, I, he's probably in, he, he's probably in movies and I've just forgotten which ones they are in that he's in yeah. because he's not, he, it's they're not the there's not the the big ones or whatever. But back in this day, 
you know, Lone Star it was uh, was uh, was great. American Beauty, of course, and he had a great uh, role in A Time to Kill, which also had Matthew McConaughey in it. Um, and uh, and then of course Adaptation, which I think was the the ultimate mountaintop of, of Chris Cooper's career. Uh, and Breach, a lot of people like that movie too. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, but yeah, he is so assured in this one. It's uh, it, this performance is one of the best. Oh yeah, also Francis McDormand, who's having quite a yeah. year, by the way, in this in this movie. Uh, you know, you would never think, uh, looking at this performance, where she's this football obsessed uh, person. Like she even, she has a Cowboys jersey and a Houston Oilers cap on. <laughs> Yeah, and she uh, talks about the Aggies. And talks about the Aggies. And uh and uh and you would never think looking at this performance that she is going to be a future three-time Oscar winner and yeah. that she's going to win for Fargo in this very same year, which is a completely different uh character and role for yeah. her. Oh, just in yeah. it, it just insane seeing some of the people that show up in this movie. Um uh yeah i i love i we've we've sort of touched on it i do love how how much of this um how much of this movie is steeped in history there's so much historical stuff in this now i don't know how much of it is like actual history or if it's stuff that he made up for the movie i didn't go back Mm -hmm. to look to see how many of this was true i'm certain a lot of this is true um but i love how he the the past is always informing what's going on in the present in this there are so many different things that uh you know pe- what people perceive to have happened and what people what would actually happen uh t- takes people in all sorts of different directions and it affects their kids too um and so uh i love how how much of a foundation this movie has in history and all of the all the things i mean there's a whole thing where you know uh the the character named uh o is it o it's one letter um uh let me look at it real quick yeah it's otis oh yeah call him o call him o he's talking to his grandson and they're not supposed to talk to each other because joe morton uh has has a you know complicated past with his father um and uh and he's talking about all of these you know the these uh this native american heritage that they have in in the past and everything shows all these pictures and everything and just just uh just i don't know it adds so much dimension to everything that we're we're seeing in this and it's you know it could just be this could have been just a nor uh, a mystery story could have been just that that's it you know they could have cut this down to an hour and a half but i don't we would have missed so much out of out of mm. this and this is one of the few moments where you're like two hours and 15 minutes long oh didn't even feel like it didn't even yeah. feel like it so yeah um, mm, i actually was looking at the time before i started it and i was like oh it might take a while to get through it and it really doesn't at all it's like a hour-long episode of tv at least that's what it felt like mm-hmm. yeah um, all right and what else do we want to say about this i don't know everybody needs to go see it uh if yep. they can find it uh what did you where did you end up uh you watch it on prime i bought it on prime yeah um because there's something in my brain that just does not like renting. Um, and I realize it's cheaper, but I also realize now that I've watched it, I'm going to watch this movie again. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to have access to it. Um, so, yeah, I got it on Amazon. I, <laughs> I found this movie on DVD uh, about a year ago, and uh, that's how I watched it. Um, but I don't know how, how many DVDs are out there still circulating around, but uh, I'm, right. I feel lucky to have a physical copy of this movie. So, Yeah, uh, they're probably not printing uh, too many. Well, I, no, I, and, and also, uh, from what I understand, there are a lot of movies, movies that you've heard of, that don't even have copies anymore. Um, because of you, you, because everybody thought that there were, you know studios would take their library and just put it all on digital but that hasn't happened and there's been and there's been other studios that have folded and and they had the copy of the movie now we don't know where they those movies are and of course they're you know they could be anywhere at this point so there's if a you want you can go to amazon right now and buy lone star on dvd mm-hmm. for 49.99 yeah or you could buy vhs for 7.97 
Mm-hmm. So there you go. There you go. I don't recommend doing either of those things. <laughs> uh, yeah. But it's possible if you want. Yeah. <clears throat> All uh, right. All right. Um, I think it's probably time for the super secret double feature. Yeah. Yeah. I'd be interested to know this one. All right, everybody. It's time to talk about better help. Better help. Listen, uh, yesterday my wife and I had each had separate errands to run, and uh, we also wanted to eat lunch together. But only one of our errands was time sensitive, and we were trying to figure out let's how can we eat lunch together and still both do our errands in, in time. And we ended up driving separate to lunch, and she went to do her errand, and I went to do my errand. And <clears throat> one of the things that I like most about better help is the convenience of it, the literal time it shaves off my life, not just the 15, 30-minute drive to a therapist's office, uh, but the juggling you do with your schedule to make sure everything can fit around that therapy time that you've got slotted in. BetterHelp is super flexible, way more flexible in scheduling than a traditional one-on-one therapist relationship uh, with office hours. You can... Choose when you want your appointments to be. Do you, you think you're going to be better off doing therapy in the morning? You think it'll be less stressful for you to do it in the evening? You get to choose that. Uh, you can make changes to those appointments in your little portal if you need to. Uh, you can switch therapists if you're not vibing. You can send your therapist a note and ask them a question. Um, it's just super convenient and literally saves you time. In addition to all the other benefits, like you know, being less anxious, having... You're not having to go to an office, but being able to do it from your own home in your pajamas if you want. Um, and right now, if you go to betterhelp.com slash recotopia, you can get 10% off your first month, which is significant. Um, and I'm a big believer in therapy, even for people who haven't been diagnosed with an anxiety d- disorder or depression or something else. Um, life is complicated. Current life and existence is rough, as rough as I think it's been for collective humanity in a long time. Uh, therapy can help. Uh, licensed professional therapists, BetterHelp is full of them. So go to betterhelp.com slash recotopia, save 10% off your first month, and get started today. Be very, very quiet. Secret. What secret? Our dirty little secret. I tell you something I've never told anyone. I, uh, oh, I had such a good time here. I, as I always do, I'm going to tell you what I almost went with. Uh, I almost went with The Godfather. Um, mm. Because of the whole sins of the father, shadow of the father, trying to become your own man, mm-hmm. uh, I think that would work really well. I almost went frailty. Um, oh, yeah. Again, we have another sins of the father, you know, growing up in the shadow of your father kind of a thing. In yeah. the end... You have the McConaughey well, connection. Yeah, also McConaughey. Uh, in the end, I went with something much more direct, which I don't usually do, uh, and I'm going with Hell or High Water. Oh, um, yeah. <clears throat> because both of these films are set um, in a Texas town that has a lot of racial diversity. Mm-hmm. Um, like, the Jeff Bridges' partner is Hispanic and Native American. Um, there's lots of talk just as there is in Lone Star about the history of this place and who owned the land first and who really owns it. Um, there's a little bit of generational stuff with the two brothers, family stuff. Um, but I just feel like the general vibe uh, and setting would make this a really good pairing. Uh, and both of them feature, you know, a Texas sheriff, you know, trying to get to the bottom of a mystery. Mm-hmm. Um, so there you go. I think I would I would make that my super secret double feature. Yeah, hell or high water, and that's uh that's getting a nice little four K steelbook thing coming up too. So yeah. Oh, I saw that. Yeah, I'm gonna have to buy that. Yeah, I love that. Movie. Yeah, I do too. Um, all right, all right. Time now for it's now question? it's time for next week's homework. Next week's homework. And I'm gonna curveball you, Aaron. I apologize. Um, you know it's not a podcast if Jeremy doesn't curveball. That's very uh, true. I would like us to discuss next week, 1997's The Ice Storm. (laughs) I love this movie. Uh, I do too. And uh, honestly thought hard about making this my double feature for uh, Lone Star. Um, Just because I think there is a lot of similarities in vague themes. Mm -hmm. Loss, family, parents. Uh, This movie's great. 
Uh, Ang Lee's one of my favorite filmmakers because he is one of the most, I guess, curious filmmakers. Mm-hmm. Um, he keeps exploring different genres and techniques yeah. and equipment. Uh, but this is one of his earlier ones for American audiences. This was nominated for several awards. Kevin Klein, Scorny Weaver, Tobey Maguire, Christina Ricci. Great cast. Uh, let me see, now that I've picked that, if it's streaming anywhere. <laughs> it's not. You'll have to rent what? it. What? Seriously? Uh, it doesn't look like it. Maybe maybe it's uh, streaming somewhere that Google is not aware of. But... Uh, you know what? Just bill me. Just send me an invoice for the <laughs> rental. Um, but you won't want to. It'll be totally worth it. Um, and that is next week's big recommend. Yeah, I love me some Ice Storm. There's no doubt. Uh, I'm going to love uh, uh, re-watching that one for yeah, sure. Yeah, I haven't seen that in probably 10 years. So mm-hmm. Yeah, I'll me be, too. I'll be excited to get into that one again. Yeah. All right. <clears throat> now let's move to some questions. Question. Question. I got something to say. I am listening. Questions. Questions. All right. <clears throat> the first one up. What is the best soundtrack for the worst movie? My example is Batman Forever, a god-awful movie with such a stacked soundtrack. I actually bought this soundtrack mm-hmm. on CD because I loved it that much. The Flaming Lips are on that soundtrack. Uh, Seal is on that soundtrack. Um yeah, Smashing Pumpkins. Smashing Pumpkins has no. got a, two songs on there. There's U2. U2, Hold Me, Thrill Me, Kiss Me, Kill Me. Mm-hmm. Um, that is a great, that's a great suggestion. You're not supposed to steal the best answer when you ask a question. Yep. But you guys continue to do this. Chris, what's your answer here? Um, it took me a bit because uh, there's a, you could say, you could say Purple Rain is uh, is uh, one of those. Um Ooh. The movie is not very good, but that might be blasphemous for some people. But it's it, come on, the movie. The reason why you watch the movie is because that music is so good. Um, yep. And so there's that. I, I also thought of a movie, um, Judgment Night, that I actually kind of like. I kind of like yeah. Judgment Night because it's just one of those type of movies. It's not good, but man, do I love watching it. Um, and it had that famous soundtrack where there were these bands that would get mashed up together so you had like helmet and house of pain uh that <laughs> that's about the 90s thing that you can say uh ever um you know but uh you know they have that you're just another victim kid you're just another victim <laughs> um there was like ice tea and slayer was on that oh, uh pearl jam and who did pearl jam pearl jam was with somebody too i can't remember who it was um pearl jam and oh where is it pearl jam and cypress hill <laughs> cypress hill cypress was teamed up hill. cypress hill and pearl jam uh were, were teamed up and cypress hill was teamed up with another band on that one so they had two songs on that but that wow. soundtrack is really good um so anyway good answers uh i want to go with uh a couple uh, let's just go with elizabeth town um <clears throat> which is one of my least favorite movies by Cameron Crowe. Mm-hmm. Um, but Cameron Crowe has always been good about putting a soundtrack together. Uh, from Almost Famous, Jerry Maguire, and singles. Uh, like, he, he's a Tarantino when it comes to picking great music to go with his films. At Elizabethtown, I would negative recommend you watch this movie. <laughs> but, uh, the soundtrack has Elton John, Ryan Adams, Patty Griffin, uh... Tom Petty, Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers, well, yeah, My yeah. Morning Jacket, Lindsey Buckingham. Um, I swear Cameron Crowe put Tom Petty in every song, every movie that he ever made. He uh, does. Oh, that's the one I should have gone with. Scratch that. I mean, don't obviously delete it. Let's keep it in the podcast. Um, <laughs> she's the one. Oh. Uh, Ed Burns. Yeah. Which is, the, the entire soundtrack is Tom Petty. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and he put out a, like, basically put out a CD for this movie and wrote original songs for the whole movie. And they're all awesome. Mm-hmm. Uh, I can't believe that I forgot that. She's mm-hmm. the one. Yeah. Tom Petty. Yeah. Best absolutely. soundtrack. Worst movie. Um, I can't, I find my, I, I'm even less able to watch Ed Burns movies today than I was back when he was really popular. Yeah. Yeah. He had that. <sighs> he, he was one of those up and comers, man, where it, it looked like he was going to have a long directing and acting career, uh, there, but like the brothers McMullen was his big, uh, yep. but then she's the one was sort of 
this is what would happen if we gave you a ton of money to make the brothers McMullen and you know, it, it doesn't come out, uh, come off very, very well. Exactly. Um, so, yeah. All right. Moving on. Next question. Uh, what changes would you make to a show that went downhill in order to fix it? I think to keep you on pace, they needed to fully transition away from Joe or fully transition away from love and not play both sides. That goes over my head. Yeah, I have not I, seen that. Trend. I have not seen it either, although I know it's all the rage uh, on Twitter at times when uh, yes. new seasons come out. Um, I think it's about a stalker? I don't really know. Yeah, I think that's what I've heard too. Um, I don't really know. So I would, uh, first off, I would lock George R.R. R. Martin in a, a room <laughs> somewhere and say, you said this book was coming out, so fucking finish it, dude. And then, you know, this other book that you said is coming out beyond that, go ahead and just write some words on some paper and just tell us, give us the outline of what the fuck is happening in Game of Thrones, and then we'll follow it, and we won't... <laughs> We won't make up our own shit, and it won't be stupid in the last couple of seasons. <clears throat> oh, that's an excellent answer. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, I would choose West Wing, uh, and I would lock the NBC executives in the same office as George R.R. R. Martin mm -hmm. and say, you pay Aaron Sorkin whatever he wants to stay on this show. Because when he left, and I think it was sometime in the third or fourth season mm -hmm. he stopped being heavily involved and then john wells took over yeah uh and that's what i call the er ification of west wing <laughs> because john wells did er um <clears throat> the first four seasons of west wing are just peak sorkin they're just great and then i kept watching because i had already fallen in love with those characters but it kind of just got mediocre by the end um and, you know, it obviously should have ended before it did, but the real problem was when Sorkin stepped away mm -hmm. and, and the writing just kind of suffered. Yeah. Anyway, uh, let's see. We got anybody? Well, isn't that, isn't that sort of what happened with uh, Walking Dead? Like, you know, the, I mean, they, I think they made further changes, but like the, the first season everybody loved and then it wasn't the second. I, see, I've never, I've only seen one episode of Walking Dead. I know I'm a, I know I'm a, like an anomaly out of all this. I, it seems like the type of show that I've kept up with, but I haven't. But after the first season, everybody loved it, and then the second season was the one where they were on the farm or whatever. Was that the was that or was it the third season? No, it was the second season. It was the second season, and then Frank Darabont they let him go from the show, and then. Was it because yeah, it was did they let him go forward. from the show because he did that or because he didn't want to do that? He left the show essentially. I think he got fired because he they basically cut his budget and said we're going to do this entire season on this farm. And he's like, that is not the show that I signed up to make. And mm. he ended up suing them. Yeah, yeah, he won. Yeah. Um. <clears throat> so, uh, but go on. Yeah. Uh, but then like so that season everybody was like this is terrible and so they w i don't know if they changed people after that but then they went back i guess then the third season to start doing stuff that people liked again um but you know um anyway let's see what uh got some suggestions in the in the chat on shows that went downhill i'm not seeing quite as many fixes lost x-files friends i agree with all those yeah yeah although we'll cancel uh, the simpsons after season 16 yeah <laughs> per perhaps even before then uh mm -hmm. I, I you know i i everybody you know you can find about as many youtube videos as there are simpsons episodes about which episode made them jump the shark so to speak mm. Uh, and I have my own personal one. It's the one they went to Brazil, and that was where I thought that their their quality had uh, officially like registered as not as good anymore. But mm. uh, but yeah, Lost. There, I see some people in the uh, comments who say Lost was fine, and I understand that the people some people do like how it ended. Uh, it's just that I think. I don't know. It's really hard to make those shows where you're so curious about what's going on, all these different things, all these different clues and mysteries and everything. And then they just do this whole like, well, the voices in the forest, those are the people who died here. And then they move <laughs> and then you just move on. And, you know, they, they you wrap up all these super mysteries like within two seconds. And and then, you know, forever people are like, this is purgatory. This is purgatory. And they're like, it's not purgatory. It's not purgatory. And then they end up being in purgatory. It's purgatory. Yeah. Um, J.C. Davis says scrubs. 
don't have the final season that's after the better final season. Yeah, um, yeah. The well, I don't know what does he mean the with the original cast or does he mean with that new cast that they tried to come in with with like the new scrubs that came in. Like I I, I, I agree. Like there was the the there was a point where scrubs should have just ended and they didn't and uh and uh yeah. I think that I think he might be talking about that I don't know that new season where the all the main characters are kind of in the background while the new characters try to uh, uh, re- recreate the magic of uh, Scrubs. I think that is what he's talking about. Mm-hmm. And if not, it's what he should be talking about. Right. Um, Heroes season one was great. <laughs> yes, right. Was great. Yeah. That's a classic um, case of a show that had an, had a great idea but had no uh, nothing beyond no future planned on it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Downton Abbey. Um, no idea. I'll on take that your one. word on that. Um, let's see. I guess that's about it. Let's, uh, let's go back to the questions. All right. What movie TV plot twist made you roll your eyes? Okay. So the, the Mark Ruffalo thing, and now you see me, um, (laughs) so he's, he's a cop and he's been chasing these people the whole time. And he even jumps down a garbage chute after him at one point. he's, he's obviously all in on trying to catch them because they're criminals. And then like, by the end of it, it's like, I was testing you guys the whole time so that you could join this secret society called the eye. And like, let's run, (laughs) let's walk into this carousel together. And we're all, you know, I didn't, I just thought that was just, I, I was, I was like, come on guys. Yeah, you can make Mark Ruffalo the guy behind it all, but you can't make him a cop all the way through the the movie where he's doing things that don't make sense for somebody who doesn't. He doesn't have to do these things. He doesn't have to jump yeah. down a garbage chute after these people if he's if he's behind it all. He doesn't have to do right. that. Is that is that for us? Just in case we suspect Mark Ruffalo is behind it, like, well, he can't possibly be behind it because he jumped down a garbage. You know, I just, oh my god, I hated that shit a so much. A lot of times, uh, they go so far to try and make something a surprise that they they break all logic like they did. That's the best answer to this question. I shouldn't even give it. I'm going to, <laughs> but that's the best answer to this question because I really hated that. I also rolled my eyes, not at a plot twist, but at the idea that Palpatine came back in the final Star Wars movie. Like mm. that whole, I was rolling my eyes that entire yeah. movie, but uh, especially that particular aspect. I also wrote down... We're Simpsons talking a lot today. Um, Maggie shooting Mr. Burns. Oh yeah, which <laughs> you know I get if you if you want to have something that no one will guess. Good yeah, job. yeah. Uh, if you they back themselves into a corner by doing their whole who shot Mr. Burns, who shot Jr. thing, mm-hmm. and then because no answer is going to be satisfying when you've built up. Because I think that was a cliffhanger across an entire summer, wasn't it? And yeah, they they, they had a new season. They had a season mm. finale in one season, and then the season premiere was the part two of that. Um, of the, those are really funny episodes, by the way. But I agree. But yes, uh, and they even uh, did uh, at least one other ending where Waylon Smithers was the killer, uh, which they explain in the uh, the one hundred and thirty eighth episode spectacular. <laughs> they showed uh, they showed that way that that when. Um, uh, Homer falls on the oh no when Burns falls on the um the compass or whatever the the town whatever the in the north south east west thing uh he's pointing to WS uh <laughs> for, and, not, and yeah instead of Maggie but uh yeah that is a that is an eye roller I do like this is a this is a recurring Simpsons gag uh that, that Maggie is secretly evil uh in the in the show um they're like oh she's just a little baby she wouldn't have done that on purpose and at the end it's like dun, 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 and it's all it's, it's all her pacifier <laughs> you know so yeah. uh, back when that show ruled uh some uh suggestions from the live chat uh, oh DC yeah Davis there's some really says, good ones here my name is con oh uh, yeah the, the from star trek into darkness yes because he he waits he it's too long a beat. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. But he goes, my name is 
cock. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. And and as the sins video, as if it's supposed to mean something to people in this world too. By the way, like you know, right. con doesn't mean anything to these guys. It means everything to somebody in another dimension. Uh, yeah. They, there's a there's someone who brings up the Matthew McConaughey Serenity being a video game. Yeah, oh my God. There's a movie that's a movie in need of like some massaging and like that could have been decent, I think. But God, what a what a ridiculous movie that is. Yeah, um, every M Night movie after Signs. Mm, um, maybe. It's a generalization, but I see where you're going with that. Although he doesn't um, do very many of those whammy endings after signs. He he does like a couple, I guess, but the not The Village. Many. The Village That's is one. An eye roller. Yeah. Um, well, especially since The Village seems to be... The Village almost feels like you can guess that one uh, uh, the whole right. time. That's that's, right. that's the whole thing. <clears throat> the Plants and the Happening. Okay. Well, I've still never watched The Happening all the way through. Oh. Uh, yeah, um, that movie is uh, terrible. But I, I, yeah, I don't know. The the is the plants thing. Is that a is that a whammy ending though? Is that a twist? I don't know if it is. Uh, Maybe it, just uh, like my Palpatine. Just that the whole story idea of it is an irony. Yeah, the Palpatine thing is something they could. I feel like they could have in those prequels. They could have done so much more with that. Like instead of there was a lot of I had a lot of I had a discussion with our buddy Patrick about this. You know where they could have done it, where the since there are clones and everything, like the real Palpatine isn't the guy who's the 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 villain. He's not the one who becomes the emperor. It's some clone, or there's some cloning issue, or whatever. But but yeah. so that it's not this big, like oh well, uh, yeah, I kind of already knew that he was the emperor. Why are you making it sound like seem like it's a big surprise by the end of? <laughs> yeah, seriously. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. One more question, mm-hmm. and then we'll wrap this sucker up. Uh, so I don't know if this has been asked before, but when has an actor had a performance that came out of nowhere compared to their other works? Mm. Um, I do believe we've answered a question like this before, because I remember answering Zendaya, because I didn't know she had that talent in her. Mm-hmm. But they're basically saying somebody who had suddenly more talent than you ever thought all along. Uh, and he says, I'm thinking of, or she, I'm thinking of, of that as where they come in and you go, where the hell were you hiding that? From? Mm. Uh, Andrew Garfield, tick, tick, boom. Um, Son of a, mm. he, uh, mm. the, the thing about his performance is not that I thought he was an, above, like just an average actor or anything like that. Mm. I knew he probably had, you know, he could probably stretch, uh, quite a bit if he had to. Uh, I I don't think I had seen any trailers for Tick Tick Boom before watching it or anything. So when at the very beginning he's doing all this stuff, I was like, "Holy shit! He this guy is really really bringing it. Like I've never seen Andrew Garfield bring it like this. I haven't. This is like this is like you know the Social Network." Uh, where he's, you know, he's like, I'll see you in court, asshole. This is that all the way through the movie, except yeah. there's even more like, you know, uh, uh, there's even more like nuance and then not only nuance, but stuff that's just outgoing. And I just didn't know that was in him at all. Mm-hmm. I agree. That's, that's an excellent answer. Um, uh, the chat is stealing my answers. Uh, Kevin James in Becky. Um, have you seen that movie? Yeah, yeah, we uh, um, we interviewed the uh, directors of that movie. Oh, that's right. Uh, he is downright menacing. Mm-hmm. I've always found him more charming than I think most people do. Yeah. Um, but he's always had a lane, uh, a specific lane within the, the genre of comedy. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's so far out of that lane in Becky playing like a neo-Nazi sadistic killer yeah. with a big goatee and tattoos and so against type yeah if you'd have told me about it i wouldn't have believed they even made that movie uh but it's also a good movie i enjoy it yeah it really is uh, vince vaughn and freaky Um, (laughs) yeah 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 um because he's generally been either you know straight man or comedies uh and this is a comedy but he is playing a girl for most of the movie trapped in the body of a male serial mm-hmm, killer. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he pulls it off uh, 
incredibly well. I was yeah. surprised he pulled it off as well as he did. Um, <clears throat> I'm seeing Patrick Stewart in Green Room. Talk about someone playing a Nazi that you didn't think, <laughs> you would never think. Patrick Stewart, yeah. for sure. Uh, <clears throat> yeah, you know, Vince Vaughn, there was a period of time there because he he had he was doing all these comedies and he he seemed like he was Trent in every movie Trent from Swingers in every movie, um, that when he started transitioning to dramas and stuff it just didn't come off right and he was in some bad movies and and I think that culminated the bad culminated with that True Detective season two. Uh, he wasn't bad in that. It's just that right. it's just it it's not it wasn't right for him and then suddenly. He started doing some other like stuff, like uh, the, the Brawl and Cell Block. It was it? the Brawl and Cell ninety. What is that movie called? Brawl. And it, Whatever. It's, it's the, the Brawl the movie brawl. in the prison. Um, and uh, and that's one of those Brawl and Cell Block ninety nine. Um, that's one of those uh, movies that are like, oh, oh, I didn't know he had that in him the entire mm. time. And then and then yeah, it, and it transitions perfectly into that freaky, which is where he finally gets to do both kinds of yeah. things you know yeah. and uh and now it's like yeah man this guy this guy i, I want to see some more out of this guy uh somebody says sandler jim carrey um will ferrell in their non sandler in uh punch drug love man and then uncut gems uh, uh spanglish is another one even though the movie's not very good but like just you know those those are especially punch drug love man i mean that's just there's something inside Adam Sandler that we just didn't know about, man. PTA yep. got that out of him. Uh, and and it looks like he's just, he, if you wanted to, you could make him be, have a Robin Williams type career or whatever, if you wanted to, but I don't know if he's interested in that. I think he, I think he just likes, likes doing what he likes. Those comedies that are, that let him have vacations and stuff like that uh every once in a while he brings it like that will uh uh will ferrell uh what was what was the the big one was it the matilda matilda that uh was that uh, uh oh and um uh, stranger than fiction stranger than fiction's another one yeah everything must go yep yep um he's had a few uh dramatic turns um yeah uh those are all great examples jim carrey and eternal sunshine um yeah that opened up a whole new angle of talent for that i didn't know well in truman show yeah yep yep um uh yeah those are those are all great it's when you it's always great i don't think we ever question it when we see somebody who's like done heavy dramas and then they go into comedies and they're they're really good in that but we always have the bias when there's someone who's known for comedy trying to get into big dramas and everything we don't we don't think that they have the a serious bone in their body for some reason well and the serious actors generally will all tell you comedy is actually harder mm-hmm. than doing uh, drama um <clears throat> which gives me even more respect for uh comic actors all right i think that's gonna do it for this week's show um i want to thank everybody in the chat for coming out and mm-hmm. joining us live um those of you who are listening through one of your podcast apps we tape with a live audience of some of our Patreon members um, on Tuesdays for the following Monday's show. And if you would like to learn more about that, go to patreon.com slash cinemasins to find out how you can join and participate in the live version of Recotopia. Mm-hmm. Next week's homework is The Ice Storm, 1997, Ang Lee. Any final words, Chris? Uh, no, go, you know, uh, I think all the movies mentioned, including the next week's homework, go watch them all. You will not have, you will not be disappointed, but, uh, but thank you chat once again for contributing, uh, over on the side there. You guys always add, uh, a lot of, uh, stuff that, I, you know, when you're doing these things live, you, you can't think of everything right off the bat. Yep. And it's great to have, uh, you know, all these different, uh, opinions and choices coming on along there so thanks for thanks for uh, joining us today uh but uh yeah that'll do it uh we'll uh see ya bye see ya. 
part of the live show by being a member of the Sin Club at Patreon at patreon.com slash cinemasins. Chat with us on the CinemaSins Discord at discord.gg slash cinemasins or CinemaSins Twitter at cinemasins and email any comments or questions to recotopia at cinemasins.com. That's R-E-C-O-T-O-P-I-A at cinemasins.com. Oh yeah, money for nothing. Which is funny in the uh, in UHF, uh, the Beverly Hillbillies uh, parody that's of that song that's in there. Uh, he's like, "That little clampet is a millionaire." <laughs> number nine, number nine, number nine. Florida still has a team, right? Who's the? It was Atlanta that lost yeah, their team. Yeah, that team went to where did that did it move it moved right it moved they went to winnipeg that's right they moved to winnipeg and winnipeg jets which had already had been a team but then was no longer a team and then they did the cleveland browns thing yeah and then you have that that happened like literally right after they made the mighty ducks movie where they go to the north stars <laughs> arena and they're like all in awe of um yeah. who is it madonna yeah <laughs> yep and madonna looks like a 19 year old there is nothing more fun, by the way, in Sins videos when they go to a sporting event that actually happened in real life and they have footage around that event and you find inconsistencies with what actually happened in the game. Oh, uh, yeah. With what they're showing. And the Mighty yeah. Ducks, that Mighty Ducks thing is a classic example because they make it look like, I don't even know what they make it look like. It's very poorly edited during that whole thing. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure that there's a... I'm sure that there was a, a reason they couldn't get very much footage while they were actually the actual game, but but they were like I think they're showing like Madonna scoring winning goals or something. I think they lost that game. Um, <laughs> it looks like the original Winnipeg Jets became the Phoenix Coyotes. Okay, okay. So then and, think, and then the Thrashers were an expansion team, and then they moved to Winnipeg. Yes, yeah, yes. Mm -hmm. And this is the most boring set of outtakes. To ever grace the end of one of... I mean, unless you really like hockey. It will not ha be in its full glory, I'm certain. Uh, <laughs> that's the shame. They're mm -hmm. really missing out. Mm -hmm. That's right. Ian. 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 Out of nine is the bee's knees! <laughs> oh, man. The way he reacts when he asks for a light because his doobie went out. And a guy comes in in like a deep sea diving outfit. Bill Hader's face is like, <gasps> like he's seen an alien, man. It's so freaking funny. <clears throat> My point was going to be, why would you streak if you had shortcomings? Right. Exactly. Right? You would. You would definitely want to look like you have a tripod there. Uh, <laughs>